Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. On today's show, we are going to share your five. Stay with us as right now we present. Oh, <laughs> someone, we're getting feedback from someone. We're going to share your five. I th- think somebody must have their... Uh, do you have your cell phone on? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Well, that's fun. Okay, so let me check what's going on. That that is truly interesting. Yeah. Oh. I I it was me. I had I had you on on YouTube live <laughs> in my web <little> browser. <laughs> Oh, very good. So we were getting feedback from YouTube. By the way, yeah. <laughs> if you want to tune in or if you want anybody else to tune into this broadcast, you can by going to um, Positive Talk Radio, the YouTube channel or the Facebook channel or the Twitter channel. And you can go to John's, uh, I guess it's X now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what X means or why he did that, but what do you do? Anyway, I don't know. John Verico is with us, and he is. Hold on. <coughs> oh my! Excuse me, I didn't mean to. Uh, I'm so I'm glad gonna... I could get you all choked up there. <laughs> you did, you did. It was pretty, pretty, pretty easy. Uh, Kaitana is with us, and she. Did I say that right? Am I getting it yes. better? Oh my god, yes. Oh, good. That's that. That is so nice to know. Kaitana yeah. is with us, and she's she acts as the co-host, and and uh, she. Actually, does stuff like John. I she prepares questions. I know that that's probably a good thing, but uh, I I'm not capable of doing that because I can't keep that in my head that long. So anyway, <laughs> but but John is a stand-up comedian. He's a master storyteller. He's a motivational speaker. He's all over the place, and uh, you can go to his web his uh, website, which is johnverico.com. Or you can go to his YouTube channel. Well, you go to his website and you can find his YouTube channel from there and stuff. So, John, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. For any better, I'd have to be twins to enjoy it. But that almost happened with the audio here. I know. <laughs> we were uh, bouncing back and forth a little bit, which is yeah. which is pretty cool. And it's, it's great to have you here. What? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, let's see. No. Uh, I... <laughs> I was uh, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. I was uh, a little kid. I was uh, the undersized kid in school. So uh, picture, yeah, I actually moved to New Jersey. So picture when I was, when I graduated high school, I was only five foot three and weighed 110 pounds. Oh, I am so sorry. I was the skinny little brat. Uh, and I had a big mouth and uh, it got me in trouble all the time. So I got picked on by the bullies and I just said, hey, you know what? Mm, I don't like that. <laughs> I want to do something about it. And so later on in life, I just made a determination that no one should ever be made to feel that way again. And so um, I just dedicated myself to helping make life better for other people if I can. And how do you the long about- evolvement, how to get there. We can talk, talk forever about the in-betweens. What is it like? Now, I was not... I, I was a football player and baseball player in, in high school and stuff. So I wasn't the five foot three, 110 pound kid. What is it like being that and having to live within that body um, and knowing that that's not really who you are? Uh, 
but that people make fun of you and and they and they laugh and and, and stuff like that. You know, at the time it was it was hell, but in in reality, when I look back at it, I realize that everyone had their own thing that they were getting picked on, whether it's the fat kid or, you know, whatever, there was always somebody being picked on for something. And so once I realized that, uh, you know, it wasn't me personally necessarily, then, you know, I, I was able to kind of start to overcome, but, you know, I, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be included in stuff. And so I would do everything I could to try to do that. Well, imagine me at my size trying to play football. Uh, yeah, I pretty much got got stomped. And so, uh, and I wasn't really a good baseball player. I was way too short for basketball. Uh, so I ultimately wound up joining the wrestling team. Ah, there you can excel. Right. Well, sure. You know, little skinny kid. Why not? Uh, yeah, so here I joined, the, I joined the wrestling team. I think I weighed about 96 pounds. And they have, but they have a weight class for that. They they do, and I was under it, but I I I made it. Oh. Uh, and and the, so the the coach looked at me, and after he kind of like shook his head a little bit, he said, "Look, you need to get in the gym, and I need you to work out. You, you need to put some muscle on, kid, because you know you're just going to get creamed out there." So, <laughs> so I would go into the into the weight room, and I'd start you know, looking around to go trying to pump iron. Well, all the gorillas are in there, right? <laughs> and, I mean, I couldn't get near the equipment even if I wanted to. Excuse me, it's my turn. Can I Can I maybe borrow that bar there? Just, you know, you take the weights off. Just give me the bar. There was really no way for, for me to get that workout in. So I sat in the corner on the only piece of equipment that no one else was using, and that was the leg press. Oh. And I sat there just pumping the leg press. Uh, for my dedicated hour and, uh, my legs popped. I mean, I got these huge, massive, muscular Popeye legs and that was attached to a skinny, scrawny, concave chest, toothpick armed olive oil, upper body. I look like somebody Frankenstein together, two completely different people, but my legs were so strong that they couldn't pin me because I could always kick out and get out from underneath anybody. So even though I lost plenty of matches, I never lost by being pinned. I didn't have the upper body to pin anybody else either. So that was, uh, so I've got the nickname, the mighty mosquito <laughs> because, because I was small. I sucked and I mostly got swatted. Yeah, but you know what? You are now a motivational speaker and you're a stand-up comic and you do all of these things. And and that was part of your journey that led you to where you are today, don't you think? Yeah, oh, absolutely. That That's what started to give me a little bit of confidence. Uh, just knowing that I had some asset that other people didn't have. And once I realized that, that really helped me to grow a little bit. And then after after high school, you know, it, it's still back in the disco era because I am that old. Uh, I was watching, you know, all these guys get out there and they can get all the girls because they could dance. And I was like, I've got to learn how to do this. And so I, I would watch, you know, American Bandstand and Soul Train and all that stuff and watch all the cool disco moves. And I practiced them, you know, with a 
broomstick or whatever, because <laughs> I didn't have enough, you know, I didn't have any girlfriends. And so, uh, and I hung around with a really good looking guy. And when we would go out to the clubs, the girls would all be attracted to him. Well, he can only dance at one at a time. So I got the leftover. And like, <laughs> you mind dancing with me? And so we would go out and dance and somebody would see my moves and go, Hey, that was slick. Do that again. And next thing you know, I was teaching uh, dance. <laughs> I was I was a disco dance instructor. So just you know, you just never know where things are are going to go. And from there, you know, I got into doing some some theater, and then I realized I needed discipline in my life because I was used to working in nightclubs and I couldn't get up for a day job. And uh, I, I was a uh, I was a journalist. I was a freelance journalist trying to hold a freelance journalist job in the, in the daytime, but I couldn't get up in the morning. So I, by the, <laughs> I was not reliable. I was a great writer, but I was not reliable. So by the time I would show up for an event, the news was over. So I joined the Navy to get some discipline uh, in my life. Talk about a switch. Yeah. <laughs> well, that actually wait, takes right? a great takes a great deal of guts to to go do that because yeah. that they 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 don't tolerate. I give me five more minutes. I don't know. No, there's no that. snooze alarm for boot camp. I would tell you that. <laughs> and so and I was, you. I was one of those five snooze alarm kind of guys. <laughs> and I, and I was in the Navy for 25 years and I still am a five snooze alarm kind of guy. I still can't get up in the morning. I didn't really get the discipline. I thought I did, but I did get a career field. So. And you've done a tremendous amount of stuff. Uh, you know, this guy has been, one of his jobs was he was the um, uh, he ran the, the see, let me explain see if I can and, and I didn't know this prior to meeting you John is that Navy ships have got a system by which they have a radio station or they've got a news outlet or they've got um, a, a public relations outfit and like a um, a uh, TV stations, TV stations, and and like a aircraft carrier, I'm sure would have like a dozen people that were in this facility or or something like that because there are five thousand folks on the on the aircraft carrier. Right. They this guy was so good they put him into a little dinky boat where he was the only guy. Either that or he couldn't get along with anybody. I mean, which one was it? Uh, probably a combination of both. Now I was on a, an ammunition supply ship. You know, I was on a ship full of things that go boom. And, wow. uh, and I ran, yeah, I was the only person on board and I ran two TV stations, two radio stations. I did the evening news by setting up the camera and sitting in front of it and anchoring it. I wrote my own scripts and all of that. I wrote, uh, all the speeches for the commanding officer. I was the, uh, the, I did a shipboard newspaper, a monthly newsletter that would go home to the families, all the press releases. I handled all the media queries when we had follow-up and we pulled into port. I became tour guide and community relations guy and all that kind of, I was and a ship photographer if I didn't mention that. So yeah, it was kind of did a little of everything, uh, everything in the, public affairs, public relations, communication, broadcasting field. I did as a, as a staff of one on board, on board a Navy ship. Which, which is a, it was really, very cool. And a great learning experience. Wow. What a wonderful learning experience wow. it was. I, I came away with so much. Kaitana, go ahead. No, I said like being the only person there, you had, you know, like free range to, 
you know, create your own, I mean, your brand at that at, at moment, right? <laughs> that actually was a true benefit, but it was also a downside to it. I mean, besides just being busy as all get out, I realized that I had nobody to compare to and nobody to learn from. So I had to learn a lot of stuff myself. I had to figure out how to do things. And I didn't know if I was doing things well or not. And sometimes that worked in my favor because the boss didn't know what I was, if I found I was doing was, was according to the book or not. Right. So he was just like, sometimes I would get great evaluations because he would assume I was, knew what I was doing. And a different boss might assume that I had no idea what I was doing and he'd give me bad evaluations and I was doing the same work, you know, it's just a matter of, because, because they didn't know. And so I really tried hard to affiliate with other people that were in my career field whenever the opportunity presented itself. But when you're on a ship out at sea for months at a time, you don't really have that opportunity. Uh, back in the days when I was in the Navy, we didn't have email. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have ways to stay in touch um, with each other. There was no listserv or, or websites uh, to go to for information. So most of us were in that situation where we were out there learning on our own. On the larger ships, they had a staff. On these smaller ships, no, we're all by ourselves. So, how long would you go out for a, a, a time? Uh, eight, nine months at a clip. Kaitani, could you imagine being on a on a boat with a bunch of smelly guys, eight, <laughs> nine months at a time? Hey, I shared my bedroom with 180 <laughs> other guys, man. Oh my god, no, 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 no it's too long to be in the water, and I, I'm a fish, but too long to be in the water. I need some some. Um, this was a consideration when I was thinking yeah. about the military in the first place, right? I, I'm not a very physical guy. And so, you know, the, the idea of being, you know, crawling through the mud and being a ground pounder, you know, like the army or the, or the Marine Corps, like, no, nah, that's not me. And I have a fear of heights. So the air force was right out. So I joined the Navy because I knew how to swim. And my, my kid brother, my kid brother said was, was, was part of the, the problem here because he said, he said, you know, I need to go. I think I'm thinking about going into the Navy and maybe you should come with me. Maybe it'll straighten your butt out. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, you know what, let's do that. And so we both signed up together to go into the Navy. He was going to be a boiler technician and I was going to be a journalist, a Navy journalist. And uh, he, he had had to lose a little bit of weight. So we had a, and I had a long wait before my school, the Navy journalism school was going to be available. So I said, okay, we've got some time, you know, and so he's got time to lose weight and I've got to wait for my school. Well, then they had an opening in the school and they said, you know, we can, you can go. I was like, okay. And my brother said, go ahead. I'll meet you out in the fleet. And uh, he's still laughing. He, he never joined. <laughs> oh, he never joined? He never joined. <laughs> well, you know, I, I was just thinking about that. It's like, I'm going to join the Navy and I've got two choices. I'm going to be a boiler mechanic or I'm going to be in journalism. Was well, there were a lot of other choices too. <laughs> I know, but I mean, come on. That was, he was going to be a, but then he never went in. So, so. Right. Uh, yeah. I think he, he chose a job that had a, a, a good career progression uh, and had, um, you know, had he joined, there would have been an enlistment bonus because boiler technicians were the kind of people that they needed a lot of. Yeah. Um, so where, whereas journalists, you know, it's considered a prestigious job. 
Yeah, my son, my son, by the way, is in the Air Force. And he Congratulations and thank you for his service. Well, and and you're welcome. And he is a uh, um, airplane or a jet engine electrician person who works on the air conditioning and all that kind of good stuff. And he was telling me that he had a choice of going into the Army or going into the Air Force. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said he he actually did a small tour in Kuwait, which is right next to um, um, uh, Saddam Hussein's place, um, Iraq. Iraq. And he was telling me the difference, the difference between the Air Force and the Army is that in the Air Force, they had bunks, they had this house that they stayed mm-hmm. in and that mm-hmm. had air conditioning. Yes. The Army guys had a tent if they were lucky. If they were Most, lucky. If they were traveling, they were digging a hole and spending the night in a hole um, on on their travels. So it was like, why would that even be a consideration? But I applaud yeah. All a of our great, great deal of respect for for them. Absolutely, no kidding. for them. I, I joke all the time about you know being a ground pounder or any of that kind of stuff, but but no, I have a high level of respect for all of them. As a matter of fact, uh, in in this is a live show, so I can say that next week I'll be out in Las Vegas at the military um, influencers conference, uh, where there's uh, just just you know several thousand. Uh, active and former military folks, you know, that are starting their own businesses and that kind of stuff, uh, getting together and learning from each other and growing through each other. The military community is very, the brotherhood, uh, is, is fabulous. It really is. I've talked to some, uh, a gal that, um, what she and her, and at the, um, uh, VA post that she was at in Pennsylvania, they would send care packages overseas to guys that were, that were deployed. And it would be candy, and it would be uh, uh, things that they could not get in the states. Fig Newtons. Um, fig Newtons—that was a big one. Uh, my dad worked for Nabisco, ah. and, and my favorite cookie was Fig Newtons. And so every once in a while, I would get a, a, a huge box from him, and half of the box was Fig Newtons, and the other half of the box was an assortment of other Nabisco brand cookies, uh, and and an obligatory pepperoni. Because <laughs> you know you can't you can't be Italian and not have a pepperoni, and he was afraid right. that even though I was over in Italy half the time, I wasn't getting a good pepperoni. So, <laughs> and I remember the ship had gone. We went down through the Suez Canal, and we went into the Indian Ocean, and we stopped at this little nothing of an island in the middle of the Indian Ocean. There's nothing there but military base, and it's Diego Garcia. Uh, and I had, we'd gotten some mail when we were there and there was a package from dad and it was the fig Newtons. Uh, and, and I realized that one of my old shipmates, uh, actually a classmate of mine back in journalism school, uh, who used to tease me all the time about the fig Newton packages was stationed there on Diego Garcia. So I grabbed one of the packages of fig Newtons out of my, you know, carton from dad and went ashore and uh, went to the TV station uh, that was uh, on the base there uh, to look for him and just walk in as a joke with the Fig Newtons. Well, he wasn't at his desk at the moment, so I just put the cookies down, and I walked into the other room, and I was chatting with some other people in our career field. And uh, all of a sudden, from behind me, I hear, Fig Newtons! 
<laughs> Holy Christmas. Is John Verico here? <laughs> Apparently, they couldn't get Fig Newtons at the Navy Exchange there, so he hadn't seen Fig Newton since he'd left A school a couple of years prior either. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we're talking with John Verico. He's a stand-up comic. He's a, um, a wonderful um, speaker, a motivational speaker. I highly recommend that you hire him for your event and or or whatever you need because he he really is he really is a fun guy and one of the reasons i bring kaitana here mushroom. Is, you, huh you called me fun guy oh, oh yeah <laughs> uh, hold on anyway um, you were, you were, i know you were going for a sound effect it had to be like wah 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 or something like that no it was actually people laughing so <laughs> So I don't know. Apparently, that wasn't clear. But uh, you know, one of the reasons I bring Kaitana here is because she actually prepares to. So I hope that you're prepared to answer some some really tough questions. Now. Oh my! Well, first of all, let me let me just explain my principal thing out there is is in leadership and communication training, and that's uh -huh. my principal focus. And I like to try to help people learn to treat each other better. And so I use, yes, I use my, my stand-up comedy background and I use, uh, I use a lot of humor and I'm not above using cheesy dad magic to get a point across. And so all those kinds of things, uh, that's what I'm out there doing. And I'm also a, a coach for one-on-one -on -one stuff. So if anybody wants that kind of, of treatment. So now, uh, now I know I'm going to get my brain picked at this point. So Kayatana, you look like you, you look mean. I think I'm going to be. She looks ready to pounce, doesn't she? Oh, me. Oh, no, I, I'm, I love what you do. I'm very interested in, in learning more about the red love, red light. No relight my fire oh relight my fire yes it's a uh, work-life balance workshop yeah i'd love to know how you started that how, how you came to your mind like hey i wanna i wanna i wanna talk about this because apparently at one point he did not have very good work-life balance uh no uh, let me let me throw something out there so at one period of my life I was, I was working your typical full-time. Well, I, actually, I'll go before that. I was going to college and I was carrying 15 credits. And so I got a part-time job, which was 64 hours a week. Uh, at the same time, I would, yes. Hey, I well, hold on, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you say part-time job at 64 I, hours a week? Yeah, that's what I said. Part-time at 64. That's a full-time job and a part-time job. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. They paid me as a part-timer, so I had no benefits, but I worked 64 <laughs> hours a week. I was oh, also doing I was also doing stand-up comedy at the time. Uh, in between, I was a roadie with a band. Uh, I did occasional musical theater, and I am not a singer, by the way. Um, and uh, and was dating um, five uh, different girls at the time because I'd finally like kind of came out of my shell. Went bragging. So so I. I realized that this was not sustainable. This was just crazy uh, trying to do that. So I reduced my college schedule to 11 credits. I knocked my work schedule back to 48 hours a week. I stopped doing musical theater at the time and uh, realized I had extra time on my hands. So I wound up going out with nine different girls at that. 
<laughs> I, I was a glutton had... for punishment, but but no, in all in all seriousness, uh, you know, Which later on uh, after the Navy, uh, after my active duty time in the Navy, I was working my full time job for a government agency. I was still in the Navy Reserve. I was doing theater. I was on three boards of directors for different types of things. I was doing, I uh, worked at the Maryland Renaissance Festival on the weekends. Uh, and I was a, 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 a volunteer uh, coach for uh, illiterate uh, adults. I was teaching literacy. And uh, I said to my wife, and there were probably several other things too at the same time. And I said to my wife, I think I'm going to go back to school for my master's degree. And she said, what are you going to not do in order to find time to do that? <laughs> so, so yes, I have, I have a problem. I do. I admit it. I have a problem. It's called helium arm. It's like every time there's an opportunity to do something, my arm goes up. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> there goes the arm again. I'll do it. <laughs> So that was my warning sign uh, on work-life balance. And I, and I knew that uh, I needed to get better balance myself. And as I was learning how to do that, I was finding ways to help other people do that as well. And so the Relight My Fire uh, workshop, that's where it came from. Oh, wow. Thank you. Very nice. I know. It's a whole big, long background on that. But I mean, there, there was, there was a background I, I, that, that, program in particular came from experience. Oh, wow. And so what the Relight My Fire program focuses on is helping people to, you know, RSVP to the invitation to life, right? You're invited to life. You need to, to, to RSVP. And so RSVP is to refocus on the things that are most important. The S is for simplify and get rid of all the excess stuff that you don't need, uh, uh, all the excess baggage, all that kind of stuff. V is for validate what's truly critical, what's truly an emergency and what's not. And finally, the P is for play. Take time out to play and enjoy the life that you have. So that's what RSVP stands for. And uh, that's part of the work-life balance uh, program that's called Relight My Fire. Now you were in broadcasting and you were in media and you were do doing writing and stuff. Did it feel like you weren't really working? You were just having way too good of a time to get paid for or for you was it was it a lot of work to do that yes and yes <laughs> so 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 the thing is that i really do enjoy that kind of work i enjoy what i do but it is work and and if you don't dedicate the time and the effort to get it right you know it becomes you know a challenge um i have said multiple times and, and especially with the, the speaking and training that I do now uh, my true reward is not necessarily the paycheck. My reward is when somebody in that audience gets that little glint in their eye that says that I, I made a point or that I helped them overcome a, you know, a problem and whatever it was, or somebody who came back to me like, you know, years later and said, man, I remember when you said this and I took your advice and I did that and all these great things happened. That is my reward. I would do this stuff for free, but I have become accustomed to minor luxuries like food and shelter. So I do have to charge for it. And then it becomes work. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you're doing the training, what are you training people to do to speak better, to speak 
like in front of people better to um, understand the English language a little? I, I, what do you what do you teach? <laughs> so mostly, what I teach the underlying uh, the underlying thing uh, I teach is about understanding who you're communicating with and how you're communicating with them. And so it's all about how we re interact with each other. Uh, and, and this goes for both the leadership and the communication side of things. You know, how are, how are we interacting? Are we smiling? Are we, are, you know, what's our body language doing? What, how, what are the inflections in our words doing? Like I could say to you, you know, Hey, Kevin, you look nice today. And I'd call you a liar. And I say, Kayatana, you look nice today. Kevin, you look nice today. And, and then I, Kayatana, I, I yeah. you look nice today. Ooh. I said the same four words, but the inflection and the tonality is all different. That's called paralanguage, by the way. And so just understanding just how you put emphasis on things will change the meaning. It will change how people accept it or not accept it. Now, I intentionally did the you look nice today to Kevin <laughs> because I didn't want you, I didn't want Cayetana to get creeped out. <laughs> well, I, I know we're better, so I can, hey, babe, you look nice today. But, uh, but a lot of that, like I, you know, like, like I was saying, it's really about how we interact with each other. And so understanding that other people's motivations are not necessarily the same as our own. And then, so how do we work within, you know, those parameters with each other, understanding how people accept information, what they're looking for, what are their biases, all of that kind of thing. And that goes for whether it's public speaking. And I do a lot of public speaking training. Mostly, most of my coaching clients are for public speaking and for leadership development. And then for, you know, for my workshops, my larger workshops, it's things like I just did a program on servant leadership for uh, an Air Force squadron. Uh, so, you know, you just, you're kind of all, all over the map uh, with those things, but the underlying core, that true understanding, uh, interpersonal communication is, is kind of the, 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 the skill that underlies it all. And there's, a, there's, there's more to it, but we'll get into it, I'm sure, throughout the conversation. Yeah, well, and um, I did want to mention that you probably don't like texting very much, uh, given the fact that you are an expert communicator. And the texting doesn't necessarily work to communicate what you're actually trying to say very well, does it? No, especially since I've got fat thumbs and I am a lousy typer uh, when it comes to texting. Uh, I do text, you know, just because of the nature of having to do so. Uh, you know, I do instant messages and all that stuff. And, you know, we do have to communicate by email. But I do normally prefer to either pick up the phone or get on a Teams or a Zoom call or something like that. My son was so talented at texting that when he was in school, he was not, they were not supposed to have their phone on them. So he kept his phone in his pocket and could still text people. Amazing. It's, it's amazing what the human can do when you put up certain barriers and how to get around those barriers. Well, so I'll give you a good example of, of that kind of thing when i was in the navy and i said how long ago it was you know i joined the navy in 1981 and i met the woman who was to become my wife in 1982 and uh and we're still married by the way 
Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. She never actually said yes. I'll get to that later. But <laughs> but but back then we had, like I said, we had no email and cell phones and ways to stay in touch. So everything was done by snail mail. And so I have, you know, boxes of letters that she had sent to me over the years. And she has this little tiny stack <laughs> wrapped in an envelope <laughs> because I was writing all day. I was writing scripts. I was writing press releases. I was writing articles. The last thing I wanted to do in my off time, no matter how much I missed her, it was actually right. I could not get my brain to focus on putting my thoughts on paper yet again. And so I would wait until the ship would get into uh, a friendly port where there was something called the International Telephone Exchange. And we had to sign up on a waiting list. And usually it was three to four hours. And if you left the building, uh, you'd lost your place in line. So you had to sit there for three to four hours waiting for an open line. And, uh, and then you'd get six hours on the holidays, by the way. Uh, and then you would finally get connected. And it was $17 a minute. Collect. Wow. Collect, which meant she had to pay for it. So, oh. so because it wound up on her phone bill. Right. Because we didn't have credit cards back then much either. Mm -hmm. And so so I think ultimately she only married me because she had so much invested at that point. She was just trying to get a little return. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Well, but like feel? I said, that was my preferred method of communication. Right. I needed to hear her voice and right. communicate verbally because in writing just wasn't doing it for me oh, exactly but when you're gone six or seven months and and you come back and she still says hello she there was a reason yeah. she must really she thought you were really the cat's meow as they say i don't know who uh, says i think until she until she until i was around more full time you know then she was like oh what did i get myself into <laughs> but of the three and a half years that of our of our courtship to use an old-fashioned term we only spent maybe nine months in each other's physical presence in piecework a couple of weeks here a month there whatever and then i was back out again that must have been hard it was extremely hard and, I, and i'll tell you i watched so many military uh families just just get torn apart by the separations it's very very difficult to maintain a relationship like that um, but we our our relationship is founded on trust and uh yeah, and we, and we don't stri we don't uh, suffocate each other either. Do you do you think that social media can help? Uh, I mean, like not social media, but um, the technology that we have right now to help these families oh, yeah. more in touch. Absolutely, it helped me to be more in touch with my family who is abroad, and and yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, you know, a lot of people mock social media for all of the problems that go on with it, but there is no doubt that that the technologies that we have available today are able, really helping to keep families together yeah. because we can stay in touch. Well, yeah. the Zoom calls and the StreamYard calls and the yeah. and those that you can actually see somebody and and you can get a feel for how they are and how they're feeling and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, when I'm on when I'm on travel doing a speaking gig somewhere or whatever, I'm on the road, my wife and I communicate not necessarily by phone, but most of the time, yeah, maybe throughout the day if there's something quick going on, but you know, most of the time back in the hotel room at night, you know, we're getting on a, a zoom call or a, or a video call on Facebook or something like that. So we can actually see each other. Yeah. Exactly. Well, one yeah. of the things you're going to get, you're going to command enough of a salary 
that you and for speaking that you can take her with you. Every once in a while, she comes with me. It depends on, you know, where it is and what's going on, but sometimes she'll come and she'll, she'll be there as, as my assistant actually had been there and, and filmed video and stuff for me and, uh, or, or, or staff the table hawking my books while I was on the stage or whatever it was. So let's see, in 1980, you got married in 83 or 84? We got married actually in 85. Ah, in 85. So you were two years behind me. I was 12 years old. <laughs> you were 12? Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. I was 12 years old, yeah. In 1985, I, I didn't. I wouldn't even think, I would have thought you were two. I thought you were like a, still a zygote back then. <laughs> I know she's you're so she's, young looking. She's got good jeans. I have good jeans. Ooh, I've you. got good jeans too, but they don't fit anymore. I know. My <laughs> I am. That's I am no good. longer. I am no longer that little skinny 110 pound kid. I'm a double X Adonis now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we all we all grow up, and and stuff. But it's interesting that because you've done so many things, and it's it really is helpful to folks to lead the to live their best life if they learn how to communicate properly and you can help folks doing that which is really cool you, you know kevin i've worked in so many fields while i was still trying to find myself and before i made the decision to join to join the navy and go into journalism um i i tried a bunch of things i actually started when i left high school i went into college for electron electrical engineering oh wow and i was an electronics technician for a couple of years and i was really good at the work but I realized the thing I found most enjoyable about it was writing the darn training manual for the other technicians and teaching the other technicians about the problems that I was seeing in the circuit boards or whatever. And, uh, and I, I enjoyed the writing so much. That's when I decided to go back to school for journalism. But while I was doing that, I was doing all this other stuff. I mean, I, I, I sold men's clothing and I, and uh, I was a short order cook. There's some some great stories coming out of that one. Uh, I was uh, I was a janitor. Uh, you know, you, you kind of do a little bit of everything and uh, kind of bounced around from from different type of job to different type of job. And because of that, I can relate to what people experience in these different types of jobs. And so when I am doing my my training programs, or let's say an organization wants to bring me in to talk about stuff. Uh, you know, I, I find out about, you know, what's your organization about? What does your company do? What's, you know, what are the connections that I could make? And, uh, and then I tailor a program specifically for them because I'm communicating at a, at a level that they will understand and accept. Yeah. Well, I was about that the other day, this past week, actually, how, you know, when, when, when people are looking for work, you know, people's uh, so, uh, their suggestion is don't put everything that you have done. Just stick with one thing and just try to find jobs that are exactly or list jobs that are exactly the same. And to me, when I'm when I in, part in particular when I'm talking to people and they start talking about all their experiences they had in life, different type of jobs, the, the people they have met, uh, it's all these uh, beautiful memories in their heads and all the knowledge they can they can do anything. Yes. Because all these you know trades that they have done throughout their, their life, and so to me I find that more uh, fascinating than just sticking with a profession and staying in that job and do that for uh, so many years. Yeah, right. It, it's great that that's all you know and you're a super expert at it, but 
what happens if something goes sideways, right? How, what skills are you going to apply to be able to address something from a new angle? And so, you know, my, my working with, uh, with a blues band was, you know, I learned so much about, um, uh, interacting with different types of people from there that I take those skills and I bring them over here. And this, what I learned from being an electronics technician helps me to, to, to think linearly about other types of problems. So whatever it is, you know, we can figure it out. And the more life experience we have, the more we can apply them. And I try to encourage when I, especially talking to students and they're saying, well, what kind of courses should I take? And I'm like, go across the spectrum. Yeah, it's great. Focus on your, your, on your major, but take something else over here that is also, you know, a little bit enjoyable and fun, but that you can learn something from every one of the jobs that I had over my, the course of my entire life has taught me something, mm -hmm. even if it's not how to do something. <laughs> Sometimes it's even teaches you how not to do something. That's yeah, that's yeah. That's what I was trying to say, but I said it backwards. You said it well. You, <laughs> so, see, uh, Kaitana, he, he makes me nervous because he is a communications expert, and I aren't one of those necessarily. <laughs> um, so I, I, I you talk good. I, I do. I do. You okay. talk good. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I do okay. Well, you know what? You do okay too. <laughs> Don't get me started. Now my Brooklyn come back out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get you started. I love, I love, I love the way that that accent goes because you know when you when you're from Brooklyn and you got a whole different mindset. Now you are very. That nice I have man. to, I have to tell you, I have to tell you though that Brooklyn accent that I had, and I trained it out of myself being a broadcaster. But that Brooklyn accent that I had as a kid got me in so much trouble, and that started the that started getting me picked on, because when we moved from New Jersey, uh, from from Brooklyn to New Jersey, a oh lot boy. of people who aren't from the Northeast think we all sound the same. Nope, you know, uneducated street people, right? <laughs> no, uh, there is a very very big difference between Brooklynese and Jersey, and uh, and so people were kids kids were like, Yo, Verco. Where you from? You talk funny. Like, Where do you think I'm from? I'm from Mars, you idiot. <laughs> so from the fourth grade on, I was known as Martian. <laughs> well, you know, the, the funny thing is about if you haven't been, it's like the South has got its own style. The East has got its own style. And when you're, when you're in New Jersey and I had a good friend that was from New Jersey and he was like, what do you mean? I we yell at each other. That's what we do. We That's love each we other, do. and we yell, love each other, and we yell at each other. And it's like, well, why? Because it's what we do. What do you think? You know, and, and that was kind of like, and because it's just a, a general way that people are in in that society, or maybe that's a little stereotypical, but maybe yes, but it's also very true. <laughs> so i mean you know we grow up it but you know you learn remember i said how you learn to apply your skill everywhere where you yep. learn something from every experience so i was working at the maryland department of natural resources i was a public affairs guy for for this organization and they were going through some budget cuts and they said um you know uh we don't know what we're going to do to help morale here as you know pe some people are getting laid off and you know it's it's around the holidays and i said all right look i'm gonna go get a santa suit 
you guys dress up like reindeer and elves and we're going to go around the building <laughs> and we're going to, we're going to sing Christmas carols and hand out candy canes. And they said, Oh, that's a fun idea. Let's, let's do it. So <clears throat> me, I went out and I bought the Santa suit and, uh, the night before we were supposed to do this gig, uh, I had spoken on the phone to my, my great uncle in Brooklyn and, um, and we chatted for a bit and kind of caught up and he's like, Hey, Johnny boy, how you doing? Good to hear from you. Thank you so much for giving me a call. You know, he was in a hospital. He was in the hospital at the time. And he said, yeah, yeah, these nurses here, they keep trying to give me a bath. I said, you like my body. And, and I just, you know, I had a laugh and I came into work the next day and I did not realize that I had regained my Brooklyn accent from having this discussion with him. Cause I'm a parrot. If I hear an accent, I'll start slinging it back without yes. realizing it. And so, so I walked into the, to the office the next day and I had my Santa suit and ready to go. And I said, look, I'm going to go down the hall and get a cup of coffee. Then we'll go do this thing. And they said, John, what the hell happened to you? You're supposed to be a nice, gentle Santa Claus, you know, bringing peace and love and joy. And you sound like cousin Vinny. <laughs> So in that moment, a character named Santa's cousin Vinny was born. <laughs> I took off the fluffy white beard. I left the scruff. I borrowed a bunch of necklaces and bling. We opened up the collar, put a piece of mistletoe on my hat, put a piece of mistletoe on the tail of my jacket. And we went, we walked around the building uh, playing the song Santa Baby. And my reindeer and elves became my malls. And, you know, and so they were like chewing gum and all. And so we walked around the building going, ho, freaking ho, jingle the freaking bells. How you doing? <laughs> I love it. And, and that character just expanded from there. And it's actually something that I do in the holiday seasons now. I go in into offices and do Christmas parties as Santa's cousin Vinny. <laughs> Have you done a stand up comedian wearing that outfit? That costume. Uh, well, it, it winds up being uh, if I if I'm doing an MCing gig, I'll do a stand up bit with that, and then I'll get I do a lot of interaction. Mm -hmm. uh, like I'll have a, a bag full of uh, obscure gifts uh, and give those out, or I'll have uh, letters from Santa is probably one of the favorite things yeah. that I'll have. Like you know, dear Santa, I don't need any presents this year. All I want is world peace. And I'm like, dealer Henry. Were your parents on drugs? <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, so I'll have like a bag full of letters like that. And then I'll, I'll respond to them. You know, we just do goofy stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, then it's, I, it, it is a, a comedic gig. Um, but sometimes it's just a, a walk in, do a quick shtick and walk out. And sometimes I'm MC in the whole party. So how does your mind work differently than the rest of <laughs> It's constantly going, Kevin. It's constantly going. You need to give it a break. It's, it's, I, I imagine your, your your lovely wife is like, of course, she's used to I bet you, you guys laugh a lot. We do laugh a lot. And, and she's extremely tolerant. So <laughs> That's very good. You have yes, a wife. Yeah. She has so a fabulous she has a fabulous sense of humor and she's very witty. And sometimes we will sit there and we like to watch old classic uh, monster movies. That's another part of my history. And, uh, and we'll sit there and we'll like mystery science theater 3000, you know, throw lines and puns at the movie. And then sometimes we'll just get into a pun war back and forth with each other. And it might just go on to the whole movie length. 
trying to see who outdoes each other. You know, that's really cool that that uh, she's not only uh, your your wife, she's your friend. Oh, absolutely. She's my best friend. She's my partner. She's my soulmate. Uh, she's my rescuer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I was saying, I got married two years before you, mm-hmm. and uh, and that marriage lasted 24 years. It was the best six months of my life. Um, <laughs> but it... Gaetana, have you got anything interesting you'd like to add? Oh, yeah. Oh, I have so many interesting questions in here, yes. Uh, I was uh, looking at your uh, your website and and um, when I'm doing my research on you and I uh, was very uh, interested in how um, in one, wanted to know how the experience of some of the people who attend your workshops uh, are um, so one of my questions is if, if you can uh, share a success story or testimonial from uh, someone who has participated in your in your workshop and experienced a posit- positive transformation. You know, it's so hard because a lot of times, depending on the workshop, you know, we, we may not have any contact with these people again for, for quite a while. But there was uh, someone who attended a workshop of mine back in, I think around 2010. And we ran into each other and, uh, and she uh, was, was happy to tell me about how she had adopted some of my recommendations and uh, wound up being the director of uh, her old job. And she took her old boss's job. And I thought that was, you know, that was great. That, that was wonderful. I do have a client uh, in Japan right now who has uh seen uh a a lot of of change going on in her ability to um i don't want to reveal too much about her because she likes to keep it secret but uh you know she's got a she's got a business and she had people that would do kind of the pitching and the selling of the business uh but she had to do a lot more of it herself especially during covid and she actually got quite nervous doing it and so we worked uh, very closely together to try to build up her confidence and give her a new way of doing a sales pitch that she was comfortable with. And uh, she saw a significant increase in in sales and felt so much better doing it. So those are, you know, kind of businessy types of things that I'm seeing and hearing. And I love that kind of stuff. But I think sometimes it's the subtle conversations where you have the most effect. And I had... Uh, there was a, a, a young man who I had heard about who uh, had an interesting uh, challenge on his job and that uh, he was the public affairs uh, officer for an organization. There's a state level, uh, I'm sorry, it was a county level government. And uh, the FBI walked in and, and collected his boss's computers and marched him out of the room out of the office and so leaving this poor guy to handle the press about the whole thing and so i asked him at the time i was working with uh, as a volunteer because you know i keep doing stuff extra uh, as a volunteer i was with the national association of government communicators and i said look we're having a conference and i think some other people that are in government communication would love to hear your story and how you handled something like that. And so I brought him out to the conference and he spoke and he said, I've never spoken to a group like this before. I said, you'll be okay. And we chatted about, you know, what he should say and how, how he should deliver it. And, and he gave his program and it went over very well. And then I said, Hey, 
you know, if you, if you got the time, you know, you should join and become a member of this organization. And he joined. And then he, uh, uh, then I said, Hey, you know, um, we've got a board positioning opening up and I think you'd be good for it. If you want to take over as communication director for the, for the organization, would you run for the office? And so he did. And so he became communication director. And then, so now he's on the board of directors and, uh, and he was being nominated as president. And he contacted, and he contacted me as, uh, you know, in almost in tears. And he goes, I can't do this. I said, what's the matter? He goes, I can't be president of the association before you are. You're the person who brought me here. <laughs> and I said, and I said to him, I said, you know what? It is not about taking turns. It's not about a sequence. I said, I am extremely proud of you and the fact that you have elevated yourself to this level to be recognized, to be eligible for such a position. So accept the nomination, run, get elected. And if you get elected, even better. And so he did, and he let, he was elected as president. And in the following cycle, I wound up being uh, nominated and elected. Um, and so then he was happy because I had my turn. I'm like, I was my turn. But, 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 you know, those are the kinds of successes that we have, right? And, and understanding that the people around us, whatever success they have, we shouldn't be jealous of them. No. We should share in their joy and happiness. And that is kind of the, the biggest lesson that I learned in my own self coming up when I really, even back in the disco dance days, you know, it wasn't the fact that I was getting attention as the dancer. I was actually training people to do competitions. I wasn't competing myself. I could have, I did a couple of times, but mostly I was training other people to do, do competitions and having them win. And that was my reward. And that's what I, that's the kind of thing that I, I get out of this stuff. That's beautiful. That is a beautiful story. It really is. And, uh, but you know, guys, guys like you, you are fed and the same thing for me. We're fed by the impact that we can make to other people. Not so much about, it's not about us. It's it's about the impact that you can make, and you make a tremendous impact. I wish that rather than being in my dark little room, and talking to my little microphone, and talking to you, and talking to Ketana one on one on one on one and stuff, that that I was in front of a thousand people. Maybe one day I'll do that. I don't know, but it would. You, it, you it, have you have how many thousands of listeners, Kevin? You are having that impact. You just can't see it from where you're at. I know, and it drives me. No, it doesn't drive me crazy because <laughs> there, there, because just like you, just like you, there are times when we have got an impact on people that that we'll never see, we'll never know, and but it's it's real, and and we can actually help people. And that's why that's why I had you on because you are a very engaging man. You've got a heart of gold. You and that's why. That that woman of yours, what is it? Forty years now, 30, 38 years. Thirty-eight years, yes, yes. Thirty. I did the math. Funny. That all in my head, all that is not bad. Um, and that's she recognizes that you have a heart of gold, um, and she worries about you that you're doing too much, and she it, it's tough, but but she she knows that came with the package, and it's quite a package. <laughs> <laughs> I feel. No, we don't, I feel so sorry. I feel so sorry for her because all of the all the craziness that she gets with me. But you know, 
and tell us what is your fire like you have um share your fire what is your fire what 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 lightens you up so what what motivates me is exactly mm -hmm. what i was talking about before you know the ability to to make a difference for somebody else you know um people like to be competitive they want to be first they want to be they want to make themselves feel important by being you know on on the top rung or whatever and that's not really what's life what life is about right because there can be only one winner in any kind of a race but it's not a competition you know life is about success and we can succeed together and be even more successful when we do things together and we do things with each other and i think that's probably the most important lesson of all is to understand that you don't have to blow out my fire to make yours burn brighter. In fact, it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. yeah. Your fire can burn brighter when you are fanning the flames of other yeah. people. Mm -hmm. And where the fire comes from, it's that motivational spark, that, that thing that gives us that warm feeling, that, that inner motivation. And uh, this, this is the, this is where the whole fire thing came from, right? Because I talk about this inner, this inner passion, this burning inside, and it goes back to my, my fascination. When I was a kid, being the little guy, I, I found my inspiration in watching old classic monster movies, because in the monster movie, no matter how big and bad the monster was, the bully, uh, the little guy could win. And so usually the little guy had a torch. And what the torch did was it lightened the darkness. The things that we're afraid of in life are the things that we don't understand, the things that we can't see. Yep. And so by bringing light to those things and illuminating those things, we can see them, we can understand them, and we can deal with them better, and we don't have to fear them. And so that changes our whole persona when that light is on. So when you bring that torch, it wasn't the flame of the torch that, was the, that chased the monsters away. It was the light. And so I thought about it. What makes that light burn within us? Well, there's a couple of things. One is the fact that our light burns when we know that we are trusted. Also, when we are given the opportunity to try things and be successful or even to try things and fail. When we are respected as an individual, when we are communicated with as an equal, and most importantly, when we are treated with humanity as a fellow human being. And so all of those pieces, trust, opportunity, respect, communication, and humanity is the acronym for TORCH. And that's where I came up with it. And the TORCH is the TORCH fire. I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you brought that up. Okay, yeah. Tyler, good job. That was a great question. <laughs> that's, that's, see, and in talking to a guy like you, John, there is so many nuances and so many levels to you that, that it takes a while to get it out of you. <laughs> Look, I didn't come on here to do a sales pitch, Kevin. I came on here to chat with you. <laughs> well, but I'm doing a sales pitch for you because it <laughs> you have, there are rare people on the planet that have the ability, in my opinion, to help other people um, get to a better place. And you're one of those. Yeah, I, I, I really think that you have the ability to stand in front of a bunch of folks and maybe eight out of ten will go, oh, yeah, yeah, what the, you know, whatever. And then, but there's that two 
or that three that'll go, that makes just too goddamn much sense. And I'm going to follow, I'm going to go research it and I'm going to learn more about it. And it's going to change their life. And that's all. I, that's, that's I all. live to deliver that aha moment for people. Yeah. I like that. Beautiful. <laughs> and then that is so important. If you can, if you can provide that, and that, that's why you're here. So that I'm not providing it, but I'm doing it through you. And and so we're going to, somebody is going to listen to this and they're going to look at it in a whole different way, or they're going to look at themselves in a whole different way. But then they're going to go to your website and they're going to say, I need to hire that guy, or I need to work with him, or I need to talk to him, or maybe I'll just drop him a line. And my line is open. My phone is line is open. My email is open. And anyone who needs to reach out, please do. In indeed, uh, Kaitana. Anything else? We we have taken a whole hour of this man's time, and he's back east. So it is now seven o'clock at night. It's time for dinner. I, I think. Yeah. And so has anything that you'd like to add, Kaitana, before we uh, let uh, John go? I wanted to say thank you for for um, visiting us today and sharing your wisdom with all of us and your experiences. And uh, we, we hope to come back too. And before you go, I wanted to ask, how can people get in touch with you and um, what listeners can get in touch with you and sign up for your motivational uh, speaking workshops or for you to go to their companies and help everyone else? everyone else in there. <laughs> Thank you, Well, One thing I, I, do, I don't do is I don't hide. So if you go to johnverico.com, you will find me. I'm on Facebook as John Verico Speaks. I am on LinkedIn and Instagram as John Verico. And I am on uh, what used to be Twitter and is now that bizarre X uh, as J Verico. J Verico, just my initial Verico. I had started that one long before I and onto the rest of the stuff. Uh, so I am out there all over the place. And uh, my phone number is uh, 240-257-NERD. Awesome. <laughs> 257-6373, which, which actually spells nerd. Right? Which I, 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 when I saw that, when I saw those numbers, I went, that spells nerd. And that is just me. <laughs> I don't believe that for a minute. Before we go, uh, I've got two questions for you. Number one, you are living where right now? Uh, based out of York, Pennsylvania. So, well, let's see. So you could be a Green Bay Packer fan or a New York Jets or Giants or a um, Patriot fan. I noticed you completely left out the, the Eagles and the Steelers. Oh, the Eagles and the well, the Steelers, you'll never you'll never see them cross my lips in a positive way. <laughs> Ever. Not in not in this lifetime. So uh so there's two things uh I'll say about that. I really was never much of a big uh sports fan. Uh, mostly because sports is so competitive and everybody's all out to win, but there is lessons to be learned in teamwork there. Yes, there is. Teamwork and camaraderie are very important. But uh, but I've never been really much of a spectator 
uh, sport kind of guy. My, my father wasn't into it. So we didn't, you know, sit around and watch the games all the time. Uh, mostly because I was, I was a sucky athlete myself. He didn't want to embarrass me and by watching real athletes at play. So uh, I just, I just never really got into it. I like to play, uh, you know, when, I, when I'm out there, you know, like street basketball or uh, which I still suck at, uh, you know, and, you know, hit a, hit a, hit the ball with a bat around every once in a while, but it's, you know, it's goofy stuff. It's, you know, company softball league kind of goofy stuff, but. Well, but you know, the, the, and then I played football and played baseball and all that stuff. Uh, but the, the, the lessons that I you don't hold learn, it against you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but the, the lessons that you can learn one time, first of all, our, our head coach was uh, six foot five he was a big dude. He could he could uh, bench press, you know, like dumbbells, hundred pound dumbbells over his head. I mean, the big guy, strong now, guy, intimidating. You're out in Seattle, right? Yep, yep. And so uh, I wonder if it's the same guy. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> oh, his name is Jock McLaughlin. Okay, no, no. There was a guy I was in the Navy with who was six six and change, and 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 can can just you know, he bench press like you know four hundred pounds and stuff, and he was oh. just ginormous. We called him McGilla. Yeah. <laughs> Gilla Gorilla. Yeah, we did. Uh, we called him McGilla. Yeah. And, and uh, anyway, at the end of the end of practice, we you know we were doing um, drills for, and this has kind of taken me my whole life. Uh, we we're doing hundred yard sprints, right from goal line to goal line, and they do that to get us in shape and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, so everybody would line up, and on the goal line, you put your hand, and then you. Um, Go and you drive, go all the way through the other goal line. You turn around, put your hand on the goal line, and do the thing. Mm -hmm. One of the guys put his hand six inches over the goal line, Oops. and the coach stopped everything. And he said, He looked at the guy and he said, If you're going to cheat this football team out of six inches, you're never going to be able to compete at anything in your life until you figure out that cheating is not the way to go. And it, we were going a hundred yards, and it was he was he was thinking, okay, I can go six inches less, I'll be, but it, you know what I mean. So that yeah. carried with me. So that's integrity. It's an important lesson. Yeah, it's an important lesson. You know, you I learned that in the Navy. Don't forget, everything is all about teamwork there. It's yeah. all about, well, the military, you know, when you go to boot camp, they, the drill sergeants, you know, they, they kind of break you down, but they break you down as an individual so that you come back up as a team member. And so you really yeah. learn that you're part of a team and as an individual, you, uh, you, you, you can't get very far. And I know I dinged my whole, my whole company, my whole boot camp company, because I couldn't shave properly. Really? Yep. Wow. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know that was a, that was a problem at the time, but yes. So apparently um, I did not shave close enough. So the, the inspector pulled my ID card out of my pocket and rubbed it against my face. And if they hear that sound, you have not shaved close enough mm -hmm. uh, to pass inspection, even though it looked perfectly clean. Wow. And so, uh, so my, com my, my company got gigged for that. So the next time we had an inspection, um, I kept, I shaved multiple times to try to make sure that it was right. And my company commander kept coming over to me, taking my ID card, rubbing it against my face, going, going back in there. So I shaved nine times. Wow. 
I looked like Freddy Krueger oh had gotten in touch, got, gotten a hold of me. Okay, and so you. I'm walking around now and it's dress whites, no less. And, and I'm walking around with, with, you know, wads, not just pieces, but wads of toilet paper stuck to my face for the blood. That, and I can't put my, my, my white top on until the very last second, because I don't want to take a chance of getting any blood on the uniform because everything has got to be perfect. And, um, we get ready and finally the bleeding stops as I peel this paper off of my face and clean up and I'm all scabbed up at this point. And so I finally put my dress whites on and it's pristine and we get out there and we're out there in unison in line in, in uniform and we're sitting out there and it is 93 degrees. The sun is busting down on us and the sweat starts. Well, you know, the sweat starts, all these scabs start to open up and oh I could God. feel <laughs> on my white uniform. Well, the inspectors, he was coming down the row. He kept looking over at me and he noticed the drip starting to come down my face. So he slowed down. <laughs> <laughs> had he kept his normal pace, he would have been past me before the drip had come all the way down. And I can't move because I'm just standing at her attention. He slowed <laughs> down. So when he got just before he got to me, it went, blip onto my uniform oh. and we got dinged for my having a soiled uniform <laughs> oh but you did the best you could i uh, yeah i did i did my best i did what i could i bled oh. for my company indeed <laughs> <laughs> in duty yeah and um, i know we went into overtime with that story but i, I had to tell it I, no, that's that's perfectly fine. But I I want to be sensitive to your time. So, Kaitana, anything that you'd like to add before we go? Um, come back, please. Yeah, that was that was incredible. Thank you. I enjoyed your um, our our time together. Thank you so much, and, and and Kaitana and Kevin, both of you. Thank you so much. You bring to me that that inner warmth inside of us that just that just lights my fire. I love that. And you show me yeah. how to share that fire with other people. Oh, I love it. Thank you're, you. You're an awesome, you're an awesome man, and you're going to be back on the show in a couple of weeks, and yeah. I'm looking forward to that as well. So thank you so much for being here. And by the way, That's go great. to johnverico.com. You can find out everything you need to know, and you can talk to them. You can book them. You can uh, look at him naked. No, I'm kidding. That's not, <laughs> uh, You don't. That's the comedy part. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, just a real quick story. I on uh, Thursdays I do these fifteen-minute meetings, uh, the production meetings, back to back to back to back. And uh, the first one that I did, he's got a uh, yoga studio in Costa Rica, and one of the things that they do is called hot naked yoga. And and I I said to him, "Is that real?" And he said, "Yeah, it is." And I said. <laughs> so do you do you have to position yourself so that when somebody's bending over you don't have to look, you know what I mean and, and he said no because you're so intense that you don't ever look at anybody else and you're oblivious to all that's around you and I said to myself oh that's just bullshit he doesn't know <laughs> men do not operate that way I'm afraid so, uh, yeah. so 
No, because mm. even in regular yoga, you know, everyone is checking out each other, you know, you're running your spiritual path, but you're still checking out. <laughs> We're humans. Yes, you know? indeed. We are absolutely, absolutely humans with those exact human faults. <laughs> Yep, and if you check somebody out at the wrong particular time, you're going to get grossed out. I can tell you that. 99% of the time. <laughs> it's not well, what you, people go, oh, I want to go to the nude beach. No, you really don't. No, no. I've, I've, I've. <laughs> My we, wife and I were on our honeymoon, our honeymoon at, at couples in, uh, in uh, Jamaica. And there was a, a, a little off island, just, you know, a little boat ride out. You can see it from the shore. But that was for people who wanted to nude, sun, nude sunbathe. And so here are all these, you know, young couples in their 20s, uh, you know, young honeymoon couples and stuff in their 20s. We were hanging out on the regular beach because on the nude beach were all the 70 and 80 year olds. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. And, and the, the moral of the story is there's a reason why God invented clothes. <laughs> and eyelids. <laughs> exactly. John, thank you so much for being here. Go have dinner now. And, I think uh, I'll do that. Thank you very much. You have and, a great and, day. Thank you so much. Would you do me, do me a favor? I yeah. have not met your wife, but I admire her greatly and, and give her a hug for us. Would you please? I, I absolutely will do. Thank you so much. So I will. if you will wait right there for just a second, I'll be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because 